0: day and welcome to the NCSA Mental Health Devotion. My name is Nandi Fleming and I'll be your host for today's worship. Before we start, I'd like to invite you to close your eyes for a prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, you are so great to us. Lord, we realize how much you love us. But I do also realize, Lord, that sometimes we forget. We forget that you have our best interest at heart, Lord, and that you will never let us be be destroyed by those who intend us harm, by those who intend us to to fall by the wayside. Lord, you have preserved us for your kingdom. You are working on us to prepare us for then. And Lord, I pray that we will have faith in you that you are doing the same for us here on earth as well. And Lord, where hardships come and trials come, that we will understand that it is not the end. And that those who kill the body here on this earth, Lord, can never kill it for eternity. This is my prayer in your name. Amen. For our verse this morning, I'd like to read for you from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. It says, Do you not realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, and it was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. The title of my talk this morning is, Why Forgiveness is Hard, Part 2. So I want you to think of your life as a house, a kind of metaphorical house, a house that you have been building with the help of God. And when someone sins against you, that they are literally coming and damaging that house, which is called your life, sometimes internally, sometimes externally. And the one big reason or two of the very big reasons that we find it so hard to forgive those who damage our metaphorical spiritual house, our lives, we call them the accused, is because of their response. The response that people have after they have sinned against us often makes it very hard for us to forgive them. Their attitude and their actions um, after they have sinned against us, you know, after the offense has been committed or the incident has taken place, whatever the incident may be, sometimes makes it either hard or difficult or easy to forgive. So the question then is, if somebody has remorse, is it easy to forgive? Usually when somebody has remorse, it's a little bit easier to forgive when they have regret when or as opposed to when they are spiteful, when they have no remorse and no regret and they become spiteful and they intend on harming us even further. You see, forgiveness is not easy when the accused, the person that has hurt you is not remorseful. But I want to remind you that when somebody hurts you, when somebody hurts the temple of God, which is you, that they are also destroying and hurting something that belongs to God. And God, as a matter of fact, becomes what we call the first plaintiff, the first person to bring a case against the accused, against the person that has hurt you. Because your house, your life, your body belongs to God. Your body is his temple, as we read in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. So when somebody hurts you, they are hurting the property of God. They are damaging the property of God, and God will bring a complaint against them. And God requires from them that they confess, in other words, that they admit what they've done, that they repent, in other words, that they stop doing what they have done, um, and and to stop, you know, damaging His property and breaking His laws. Because it is through His laws that they are breaking, that they are hurting you. So remorse is really a prerequisite. To the removal of their guilt and final punishment by God, as we've learned in previous talks. In other words, they need to be truly repentant and sorry and have remorse for the thing that they have done towards you, the property of God. For God to truly remove their guilt and their punishment. For God to remove the penalty of sin, the wages of death. Now, despite the case that God has against them for damaging his property, it is also natural for you as the property to expect the person who has hurt you, the accused, to confess or to own up, to repent, to change themselves, to stop doing what they've done and to fix the damages. That is to show remorse. But this doesn't always happen. Some people who have hurt you or damaged you as the property of God do show remorse, but then others do not. Some people are very spiteful. And what do you do when they don't show remorse, when they do not confess or repent or offer to make up for the wrongs that they have done? Um, Do you then decide to say you will not forgive them? What happens when they refuse to fix your house? When they refuse to admit that they've broken your house? Or when they keep trying to break it even after you and God have put it back together again? Um, and, and when a person is in this place, when a person um, experiences the accused not wanting to admit that they hurt you, not wanting to take responsibility, to, to offer to help, to fix, to, to correct the wrongs, and they keep breaking and cur- keep hurting you, it is definitely much harder to forgive this person than the person who is willing to sit down and say, I have wronged the property of God, I have broken it, and I need to stop doing it, and I am remorseful, and I am sorry, and I would like to help to fix it. So this is what makes it hard or what makes it easy. Another thing that makes it hard or easy is the damages that have been caused by to this house of God, to your life and to your your being, as we could call it. Um, if it is external or internal damages that have been caused, it will be harder when the level of damages are high. And forgiveness becomes hard when the level of the external damages becomes high. For example, let me give you an example. If you have suffered in your life, maybe loss of property due to the wrongdoings of other people. Maybe even life has been lost. Somebody has died. You have felt a fear for your safety when relationships have come to an end because of the interference of other people. In other words, when these people have externally damaged you, the property of God, by damaging things within your life, by, by their wrongdoings, then it becomes especially hard when these damages are hard. As I have mentioned. So, for example, it is easy to forgive somebody when they're gossiping against you because the damages, you know, might not be as high if the gossip is just nonchalant kind of office gossip, you know, making you out to be, I don't know. Something that you're not, in other words, when they're telling white lies against you. As opposed to, for example, if somebody has cheated on you, somebody who's been in a relationship with you cheats on you, then the damages are higher. And then it's going to be harder to forgive this person. Also... It's a little bit easier to forgive when the person takes responsibility and offers to rectify the damages that they've done versus just ignoring it. Um, You see, remember what we said. The first plaintiff has already laid a charge for the external damages to his property, which is you. God has already opened up a case in the courts of heaven against anybody and everybody that has ever hurt you. And if they do not do what God demands, if they do not confess, if they do not repent and they do not come to him and ask him to to fix what they messed up, then God will hold them guilty. Then God will not remove that eternal punishment that they will receive. So the first plaintiff has already laid a charge. But this does not remove the damage. It doesn't remove the external damage. It doesn't fix the external damage. So basically what happens is, is that it just becomes so much harder when we are still here on earth and we are still sitting with the consequences of the pain and the hurt that people around us has caused us to experience in our lives. I think, for example, of an experience that I had, um, and, th- and this is not in terms of somebody hurting me or damaging anything in my life. But I was one day driving in a car with somebody, and this person was driving. He was the the driver in the vehicle, and and had stopped, and and as he was about to pull away, he reversed into a car that was in the parking lot. He looked around to see if anybody was around, and then he just drove off with no intention of stopping, leaving his details, telling the person that he was the one that damaged the car. Um, that he was the one that needs to be called in order to fix the car. And and I think in this sense it, it it kinda demonstrates how it is more difficult when damages are high versus damages is low. When somebody is willing to fix external damages versus, you know, ignores them and just walks away as if they had no no p- role to play in that which has hurt you, which has damaged your life. But even more difficult than external damages that we suffer because of the wrongdoings of other people is the internal damages that come together with the other things. You see, when we are hurt by people around us, there is a damage that cannot be seen. Internal damages where our thoughts and our emotions are are scarred. We call this pain. Many of us walk around with pain that has been caused by people outside of us. Um, And this basically happens when your spiritual house you, your body, you, your being has been violated by somebody then there is internal damage that takes place and the experience that you have when you have this kind of internal damage is that the first thing you experience is an emotional reaction where you are shocked by the fact that you know this person has done what they've done and then over time you, it develops into feelings of sadness and irritation and anger and then if it's not fixed if, if, if this pain, this internal damage is not fixed then it's starts to affect your mood and you end up becoming bitter and resentful and harboring hate and revenge and then you truly start doing what the Bible recommends we should not do when it says be angry but do not sin in your anger the Bible is something that it's called justified anger and we we rightfully become angry but when our anger goes over into a mood that affects our entire being then our house starts falling apart not because of the damages that have been done on the external part but because internally we have been damaged and we have not healed So it's extremely important that the internal damage be recognized and not ignored. An accused, somebody that has harmed you, may, you know, sort of try and compensate for the external damages to your life that they have caused. They might try and make up for whatever they did. But they can never, they can never fix what happens internally. They can never heal the sadness, the irritation, the anger, the mood, whatever it is that you've experienced internally. That is something that only you and God can deal with. And God has already laid a complaint against this person because he is the first plaintiff. He says, not only have you damaged my house on the outside, but you have damaged my house on the inside. Um, and you need to, and, and God comes and he says that, you know, these damages against his property, this person needs to repent and confess that they have not only damaged the person externally, but internally as well. And, and, and there really is something called in, in our human courts of law here on earth, something called punitive damages, where basically you can sue somebody for the emotional damages that they have caused by the crimes, that they committed against you. It is basically a payment or a repayment that is awarded to you over and above the compensation for the actual damages that they've caused. It's a compensation for your mental anguish, your shame, your degradation, or any other hardships that you have suffered. And basically why I'm saying this is is because I want you to realize that in the court of law of God, God sees the emotional damages that you have suffered while you're on earth when people have hurt you. He doesn't just look at the external damages, you know, whether it's broken relationships or whether it's loss of job, whether it's loss of income or whether it is physical damage to your body, whatever it may be. But God looks deep inside. And as the first plaintiff, as the first person that accuses this person that has harmed the property of God, he asks them to to, to pay for the punitive damages. And the way that he asks them to pay is by confession and repentance. And if they do not do this, then they will cover the, The guilt. They will carry the guilt and the eternal punishment of eternal death at the end of the day if they do not do what God demands for the damages that they have caused. So I want to just bring it to your attention that God right now sees your pain. He understands what you have been through. He understands the pain that you have felt because of the hurtful things that people have done towards you. He understands how you feel when people are spiteful, when they have no remorse. He understands how it feels when there's external as well as internal damage. And he is also angry because of it. As a matter of fact, a case is open because of this. And unfortunately for us, we are not satisfied with this. A lot of times we are not satisfied with the fact that God has accused this person up in heaven and we want to often open up what we call a second case here on earth, A, er, a case where not just God is accusing the person, but where we also can accuse the person, where we can become the second plaintiff and open up another case. It's almost as if it's not enough that justice will be served at the end of this world. But we want justice now. We want payment now. And it truly is your choice if you want to start a second trial here on earth right now. And this trial would probably be a trial where you will be part of the jury, where you will decide the punishment of the person. Um, The choice is really yours to lay a claim against the accused, to lay a claim against those who have hurt you, demanding compensation for external loss, demanding compensation for emotional loss that you have suffered. In other words, basically what you're doing is by laying a complaint is you are demanding what is called restitution. You are wanting the accused person to reimburse you either through service, money, sorrow, confession, repentance, whatever. It may be you have your own ideas in your mind as how you think they will be able to pay for that which they have done against you, and maybe they would be willing to pay. Maybe they might not. You see, the thing about opening up an earthly case is is that you cannot force them to pay as much as you've opened up a case. And even if they were to do what you demanded them to do in order to sort of kind of make some kind of recompense for the the damages that you have suffered, the truth is really that the accused can never truly fix or make up for your external or internal damages. Because you can think about it this way. Think about anything that has happened to you. Can it ever truly 100% be fixed by anything the accused does, by anything this person does? No. You see, the reason we want them to pay is because we want them to suffer as much As we have suffered, it's kind of like revenge. It's not really payment. It's not really fixing the problem. It's actually revenge. And this is where, for example, where our anger now becomes a problem, where now our anger turns into sin, where now we're going after them because of revenge, not because we truly want to fix the damages that they've done to our lives. And we need to realize that it is only the great physician that can truly fix that which is broken, that can truly bring back all the damages that we have ever suffered in this life here on earth. And ask yourself honestly, will anything that they ever do or say truly heal or compensate for that which they have done wrong towards you? It is true. That when they do have remorse when they do confess and they stop doing what they 're doing and they try and make it right that it does make it easier for us to forgive them but it doesn 't really fix the damage you see it really is your choice if you want to open up a case but my question is what is that case really doing is that that earthly court case that you're opening up wanting the person to to sort of carry their own burdens to to pay for the damages they have caused is it really going to fix what needs to be fixed? The other choice is to forgive. By the definition of what we've been looking at in some of our previous talks of forgiveness, the forgiveness that we as humans can offer other humans, the forgiveness of Nasa and Kafar in the Hebrew, those words basically mean that forgiveness benefits both you and the accused. This forgiveness that God calls us to do is going to benefit not just the accused, but it's also going to benefit you. It benefits the accused by you releasing them from the guilt. You lift the burden of emotional guilt from their shoulders from what they have done. You also basically cover the payment of the damages that they have done. So in other words, you release them from the payment. They don't have to do anything to try and make up for what they have done. And it benefits you. Why? Because you basically take responsibility then for your own home. If you release them from the guilt and you release them from paying for the damages which they have done, then you are basically saying, now I'm taking responsibility. In other words, I am carrying the guilt, uh, the burden. I am covering the cost uh, with God as my help in order to fix my life, in order to fix that which is broken and to heal that which has been hurt. In other words, you basically, when you forgive somebody, you are saying, I will carry the burden and the cost of fixing the damages that you have done myself with the help of God. This is basically what forgiveness entails. So forgiveness is really for your benefit because if you do not forgive your own house remains broken. If you wait for somebody else to come and fix which they have broken, you might be living in a broken home your whole life. I think about the internal and external damages of life, and I want you to take a moment to think about the pains and the hurts inside and outside of your life which you believe other people have caused. And I want to use the metaphor of this house, of your life being a house to explain it a little bit further. If somebody breaks the door of your metaphorical house are you going to leave the house with a broken door until the one who damages it comes and fixes it No, you're going to fix it yourself because what if they don't come and fix it? What if they refuse to fix it? What if they refuse to admit that they were the ones who broke it in the first place? Are you going to then live with a broken door for the rest of your life? And unfortunately, we all tend to walk around broken people because we expect the accused to come and fix it. We expect them to come and somehow heal the pain, to rectify the wrongs which they have done. And some can try, and it might help a little bit if they're willing, but some may might never do that. And then what? Then you will still be broken on the inside and on the outside. You see, forgiveness is the decision that you make to take responsibility to fix your own life, to fix your own home, no matter who caused the damages. Not to expect the accused to fix it, but to basically release them from that responsibility. If they are still willing to try and help, then praise be to God. But if they are not, you need to take that responsibility. So forgiveness is really for your benefit. It will be so much easier to forgive once your life is no longer affected by the damages that has been caused let me explain if you fix your home then basically you will not be looking at that broken door for the rest of your life. And you will slowly but surely start to focus on other things. But if you leave the door broken, you're going to keep staring into this broken door and you keep going to be keep reminded of what this person has done in your life. In other words, the reason that we take responsibility to for, for the hurt that other people have caused, to fix it in the fear of God and to ask Him for help to help us fix it and not place it on the shoulders of other people is because other people don't care. Some people don't care. Some people enjoy that our homes, our lives are broken and and they go on happily with their lives, leaving us in the mess. So we need to take a responsibility for fixing the mix because when our homes become whole again, when our lives become whole again, then it will be so much easier to say to the other person, you know what? I I completely release you because me and God, we've sorted it out. You don't need to feel guilty anymore about it. You don't need to come and, you know, make right what is wrong. Um, We have done it already, myself and God together because this house belongs to me and this house belongs to the Lord. And this is truly what Nasa, the, the word in the Hebrew means. It means to lift the burden of emotional damage from the accused and to carry it yourself with God's help. This is what it means to kafar. It is to cover the payment of external guilt on behalf of the accused, with God's help then to rebuild your life and to to, to pay for that yourself. After all, your life belongs to you and it belongs to God and God is going to help you not only is he going to help you to rebuild not only is he going to help you to heal and to, to carry the burden of the pain and to, to fix that which has been broken but he has already opened up a docket a case against the accused and no matter what the accused does here on earth when that final judgment chair is pulled up if the accused has not truly you know, repented and confessed and changed their ways if they have not truly become remorseful then they will carry the penalty of guilt the the, the forgiveness of salah god will not then offer them the forgiveness of salah the forgiveness that only god can offer he will not remove their guilt and he will not remove their punishment of eternal death after all Remember that your life belongs to God. You are his asset, his investment. Um, It is as much his responsibility to help you to fix your broken home and to accuse those who are breaking it as it is yours. But he will only start working on your home if you give him permission. And this is the important part. A lot of times we try and fix our broken homes on our own. We try and work through the problems of life on our own. And God says, but where am I in in, in, in this all? You know, do I not have a say on how we rebuild the home and how we fix the home and how we make it beautiful again, and we need to invite the Lord into our hearts to say, "Lord, there has been damages by myself, there has been damages by other people. Help me to rebuild and, and we need to forgive people. we truly do, because you see it's going to benefit us, irrespective of people's response, irrespective of how they react, we should really um, try to forgive and remember what forgiveness means? Forgiveness means to fix the building yourself and to release them from trying to fix it somehow. So the question is to forgive or not to forgive. If you do not forgive, your house remains broken because you are basically saying, I'm not going to take responsibility for what other people broke. If you do forgive, it means you are taking responsibility and releasing them from having to rebuild your life. And then some people will offer to help to build, let them. Others will not Let it be. And remember, in no way does your forgiveness make this person that has hurt you free from that which they have done what do I mean? Remember you might decide to offer Nasa and Kafar to rebuild your home here on earth and to remove them from the damages and the, the burden of emotional guilt of what they have done here on earth but that does not clear them before God in, tens- and in terms of the forgiveness of Salah. They still have to stand that high court trial in heaven where they have to show to the Lord that they have truly repented and they truly have confessed your forgiveness does not pardon them in any way of their guilt and does not in any way remove that punishment with the Bible speaks of where it says the wages of sin is death. That trial they will still have to stand before the courts of heaven in the last days because of their sinful acts against the property of God. So is it easy to forgive? No. Is it fair? Probably not. But is it necessary? Yes, I believe it's necessary because unless we personally with the help of God deal with the internal and external damages that other people have caused, we will carry it for the rest of our lives. We will have to suffer even more here upon this earth living in these broken homes emotionally broken, physically broken on the outside if we do not choose to forgive and take responsibility to fix that which others have damaged. May God bless you and give you mercy as you travel upon this road of life that you You will be able in the fear of God and in his strength to do this by his grace. May God bless you. Pastoral Counseling Department of the NCSA invites you to join our daily mental health devotions. You can subscribe by WhatsApping the word YES to PLUS27836584296 Broadcasts will be sent out directly to your phone each morning at 8am. Topics are centered on biblical and psychological guidance to achieve good mental health and a balanced lifestyle despite the trials and crises of life. If you are interested in receiving these daily WhatsApp audio devotions straight to your phone, then WhatsApp the word YES to PLUS27836584296. And now, may your darkness turn to light as the Son of Righteousness rises with healing in His wings.